You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. Hello, my name is Anna Bellick, and I am the Director of Thought Leadership at Sysdig, a cloud and container security company. I was convinced when I was a kid that I wanted to be a mathematician. And now that I'm an adult, I think you should be highly suspicious of kids that tell you they want to be mathematicians or brain surgeons or software engineers because kids don't want to do that. Kids want to be dinosaurs and firefighters and candy store owners. And so the ones that say they want to be mathematicians are coached. I was coached by my uh, nerdy parents and I was convinced I wanted to be a mathematician. So I kind of followed it through because it it wasn't bad, right? You know, I enjoyed the classes. I enjoyed activities that involved math and science and discovering sort of the world in this way. But the moment when I really had to think about it was when I actually was choosing a major for college. And I really wanted to study psychology as it turned out. But basically, I decided to study physics instead. And the logic there was that, well... By this point, I realized that math is a little too abstract for me and I would like something a little more tangible and practical. And so physics was the choice because I figured that psychology was not going to be a a good career trajectory uh, in terms of being employable. So I was like, well, let's just do the physics thing. So physics is hard, uh, as it turns out. And actually, I knew this going in and I told myself the story that even if I hated physics and it wasn't the right choice, that if I could do physics, then I could do anything. So I actually discovered probably by junior year that I didn't really like physics all that much. Not because it's not beautiful and amazing and fantastic, but because I didn't really see myself enjoying that long term as a career or honestly, the classes were hard and painful. So I suffered through and I graduated and I finished my bachelor's degree and I decided I would go to graduate school. And as I was deciding that, uh, it occurred to me that actually physics was still a little abstract for me. So I majored in material science and engineering for my graduate degree, thinking that I would keep creeping toward uh, greater and greater applied sciences and pragmatism and maybe I would find my center eventually.
after six years of PhDing, I realized that even in a really interesting field like solar energy, there's a lot of just doing the same thing every day. Like you perform the same experiment every day in the lab. And it's, it's a little bit soul crushing, actually. <laughs> if, you're like, if you're not deeply passionate about the process, it mostly just hurts after a while. So I just decided I wasn't really cut out to be a professor or an academic of any kind and that I would have to do something else. And I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate that it took me until I was 28 to figure that out, but that's how long it took. I would have probably been a lot more miserable if I didn't have the type of personality that enjoys challenges. So I kind of feel like I made it through all of that. Fairly difficult, I would say, schooling. Not because I loved physics or I needed to be a mathematician or any of that, but because I just enjoyed being challenged and it almost didn't matter on what front. For a brief period, I worked for a company that was doing actually solar-related things, but more on the consulting and finance side, which was kind of interesting. That didn't last, so I decided to move on. And what happened was fairly unlikely in that I got a call back from Gartner, which is the large analyst firm that does all kinds of information technology and now actually broader research and advisory. And I actually didn't know what they were. Um, I'd heard about them from somebody in my network and they were like, just apply. They hire smart people. So I did. And they interviewed me, which is wild because normally they interview people that are very, very senior and have had a long and illustrious IT career. And I was not that. I was ultimately there for six years, which was fantastic. It's an incredibly cool job. In some sense, it's fairly similar to academia in that your mission is to help people. Like you're supposed to educate people on what the best way to do certain things is. And you'll learn that by talking to the best in the industry. You talk to startup companies, to established companies, you talk to end users who are accomplishing all kinds of fantastic technical things or going through fantastic technical struggles and you aggregate all the information into um, what Gartner and many others call thought leadership, which is basically a view of how the world should be or what the best way to do things ought to be. The only downside to Gartner is that people like me who have little patience uh, tend to get bored quickly. <laughs> I worked for two separate teams. The first team I worked on was focused on infrastructure agility. So DevOps, DevSecOps, containers, Kubernetes. And the second team I worked on was focused on security. But after three years of each, I just felt this itch to actually get into what I call the real world because as awesome as Gartner is for the breadth of experience that you get to see, you are still very much removed. You're abstracted from the reality of it all. You're not in it. You're just kind of watching it from a distance. And I wanted to be in it. So basically took the chance and I went to a company that does both security and containers. And that's how I ended up at Sysdig. I have a pretty unusual role, actually. I spend a lot of time with marketing and products. My primary mission is actually to create and deliver content. So I write blogs, I create white papers, I speak at conferences or on podcasts. I work for a vendor, obviously, but my job isn't to market the vendor. It's to try to explain what's going on in the industry, how it's evolving, what are people struggling with, and what are kind of the strategies they can employ to succeed at overcoming those challenges and hopefully how ultimately our product and company can help them. 
It's particularly interesting because the market is very rapidly evolving. The, this is a cloud security market specifically. And so the things that were needed yesterday, right, or things that were considered normal yesterday may be completely different next week. So that's the most exciting part. Like my job is just to try to keep up and to help both my company create a great product and also to help the potential users of our product or just folks who are, you know, stumbling upon our blogs to understand what's going on and do their best. Don't limit yourself and your career opportunities by focusing too much on things like whatever degree you got or whatever your current title is or even what industry you're in, right? So I was a physicist essentially that was going to be a professor and I just decided one day that I didn't feel like it anymore and now I'm a cybersecurity expert, right? So if you got a degree in something that maybe is not as easy to employ or maybe you just decided you don't like it anymore, don't worry about that. Think about what skills you actually have and what skills you might need to succeed in some other role that isn't the one you're in right now. And the second piece is related, but it's about figuring out which skills you actually could acquire or might be missing or could improve that would make you into, I'm gonna say unicorn, even though it's a little cliche. You could be a really great engineer and you can make a lot of money and you can be super successful. But if you're a great engineer and a great communicator, that is invaluable. Like those people are super rare. And if you can teach yourself as a great engineer to be a great communicator, you become that much more valuable to literally anybody actually, to the industry. I mean, ultimately, I think any role you have along the way is almost more important who you meet and how you make an impression on those people than what you actually did there. And so what happens is once you have met a bunch of people that you enjoyed working with, you never really want to let them go. <laughs> so I hope maybe that the most impactful thing about me in any company is that people want to work with me even after I've left. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Everywhere you do business.